This is a CBC Podcast. Mindari Wall. And welcome to The Loop. This week on the show, we're tackling uh, three topics, vaccines, gardening, and hockey, which is kind of the trifecta, that, I think. That is a uh, very unique trifecta. Well, but it's, it's, a what's, for it's everybody. what's on our minds in Edmonton right now. And there's, yes. I don't know, there's something for you, there's something for me. Yeah. I'm into this. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, gardening and <laughs> hockey, how much more Edmonton do you want to get? No, they go together. Well, and yeah. it is May. This is the season. But <laughs> it is funny, though, because there's kind of a new Battle of Alberta happening. We know mm-hmm. Flames versus Oilers is not a thing anymore, but um, <laughs> there's this new visualization map that we've got from the government this week. Absolutely. I mean, you've got it up in front of you because it shows the province and COVID vaccination rate. So places with good uptake and maybe yes. some that for whatever reason aren't as heavily vaccinated. Um, so what do you see when you look at You've got your phone yeah, right in front I'm of you. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Talk about an incentive to uh, rally your community to get a jab. <laughs> yeah. Real numbers. Uh, this, this has got to be it. I mean... Uh, at the top of the list earlier this week, I mean, it may have changed now uh, since we're at Thursday, but Twin Brooks leading the way. Good Southwest, job, Twin Brooks. Yeah, Southwest community there just uh, off of 23rd <laughs> Avenue and then St. Albert right behind them. I mean, With yeah. a rate of over 50, I think, 56%. That's pretty good because we're That's looking at about an average as a province that we're sitting just over 50% vaccinated. Yeah, for sure. So anyone above Exactly, that just over 2 million. It. Yeah. And then Lethbridge is in third. Uh, there's a, a the community in Calgary, Elbow, and Sherrod Park is in the top five. So props to <laughs> Sherrod Park and St. Albert. They're, I mean, good getting job. It done. Bedroom communities showing the rest of us up. Absolutely. So, the, you know, in the top 20, I would say it's it basically goes back and forth. Edmonton, Calgary, Edmonton, Calgary. There's a Lethbridge in there. Uh, Camrose is doing pretty good. Medicine Hat is uh, rolling up their sleeve. Vegarville. So, I mean, this is great to see. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's part of getting some people who are kind of sitting on the fence to do their part. Absolutely. And it's uh, seeing those percentages go up is like one step closer to normal. You know, we we see what's happening down south uh, on TVs uh, at, at sporting arenas. And, you know, we want to we want to get there. Yeah. But this is a, how. Yeah, this is a process. Absolutely. And it is worth to note, though, that we don't know that all of the reasons why certain communities have different rates and maybe lower on that list. Uh, Mm -hmm. But we do know that some have challenges, some real barriers that doctors are hoping to overcome by targeting these low uptake communities. So CBC reporter Stephanie Dubois dug into the numbers and she joins us now on The Loop. Hey, Stephanie. Hi, Claire. Uh, So what do we mean when we say low uptake community? So essentially, that means communities where vaccine uptake has been slow, which could be for a variety of reasons. In some cases, areas with lower vaccine rates may also have high COVID-19 case counts. And so in Calgary, communities in the Northeast have seen slow uptake of vaccines. And in Edmonton, areas like Edmonton-Abbotsfield have lower uptake rates as well, according to provincial data. Um, But doctors and nurses have been pushing the province to help these communities and others. They pitch doing pop-up or mobile vaccine clinics to go where the people are and to help get people vaccinated. So this is kind of like when we saw vaccines redirected to Banff and Fort Mac, right? But I mean, what do we know about the differences that more of this kind of targeting could make? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we also saw this with the meatpacking plants as well in southern Alberta. Doctors who have been involved with some of these targeted mobile vaccine clinics say it definitely helps. And some early data from Ontario shows something similar. 
Alberta Scientific Advisory Group recently published a report that quotes some modeling data from Ontario that shows an additional 10 to 15 percent of hospitalizations, ICU admissions and deaths could be prevented by directing vaccines to areas with high rate of COVID transmission. So they say Alberta should bring in mobile clinics to communities similar to what we've seen in Ontario and BC, for example. So it makes it easier for people to get their shots. And I mean, when we talk about making it easier, what is it that's actually in the way for a lot of people who haven't gotten vaccinated yet? Mm -hmm. So doctors say there are barriers to getting a vaccine for some people. And, you know, I spoke with Dr. Gabriel Fabro in Calgary this week after he did a hospital shift. And here's how he explains it. We know that those communities, just like the Peel region of Ontario or Surrey, BC, different regions in Montreal, you know, these are newcomer communities, low income, frontline essential workers that have to go to work. They don't work from home. Very high concentration of ethnic minorities and multiple barriers to vaccination. Of the 22 patients that I saw last night, not one of them didn't want to be vaccinated. They just couldn't get there. They had booked, but it was put out in front. They didn't know how to navigate the system. They couldn't get online. There's not enough vaccine available. And so it's not vaccine hesitancy. It is a system that is not addressing the barriers that we know are there. And there's so many different unique challenges, I suppose, that with all these different communities encapsulated. What were doctors telling you about how they're feeling right now, watching their patients and the communities that they serve go unvaccinated throughout this third wave of COVID? You know, Clara, the ones I spoke to are really frustrated because they're talking to these families and they're treating them in the hospital. And, you know, Dr. Fabro said it was frustrating to know that there could be an equitable vaccine rollout to protect people. But he says we're not doing it. And that's why he and colleagues have approached the province to try and offer pop up clinics to communities with high case counts of COVID-19 and to talk with community leaders to see, you know, where and how a mobile clinic could best serve the area. And so when I talked to him, he hadn't heard back from the province yet, though. Mm. And so have we heard from AHS about what their options are when it comes to targeted vaccinations? Yeah, so uh, I spoke to a spokesperson, Tom McMillan, and he said Alberta Health is looking at options for low uptake communities. They released the interactive map this week showing some vaccination rates by geographic areas. And they say they'll work with local partners to get it done. So we've tackled vaccines. Now on to my area of expertise, Ben. We're going to talk gardening. Mm. Um, but we have some very different outdoor kind of spaces available <laughs> to us. So tell, tell me what you got, my friend. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, <laughs> we used to live in a condo and then the kids came along. So we needed a backyard. Absolutely. And then, so we moved to the suburbs. And I thought uh, in the first couple of years, I built one of those gardening uh, squares, you know, a little right. uh, 10 foot by 6 foot uh, gardening plot, you know, wanted to take it easy. But then I just kind of, you know, you end up going to a gardening center and you buy 12 different packages. Yeah. And so I planted peppers. I planted onions. I planted garlic. You I had planted, everything. Oh, and, and it was way too tight. And it oh, was, no. but I mean, you know, stuff, I, we produce stuff and yeah. tomatoes and all that stuff. And it was great, but it is a lot of work. <laughs> It is a lot of work to fit in between practices and other yes. stuff. And, and I think if you, if you are into gardening, you have to love it. Yes, hundred percent. First and foremost, what? you cannot <laughs> ignore them. You have to no. You have to you have to juggle your priorities. Yes, as as someone who doesn't have a lot of those 
child priorities sure. to throw in. I can do a little bit. Well I grew suited. Up with grandmothers who gardened and yeah. big gardens and and now it's funny i mean you mentioned your garden box uh it was probably bigger than my balcony is. i have a <laughs> small little space on which i grow things which i can't even use right now so everything's yeah. inside but i've got like eggplants and i've got um wow. some pretty actually my biggest problem right now is beans okay because those like to like spread everywhere yes unfortunately there's not a lot of place for them to spread and like we're to the point where i'm Herbs? producing hands full of beans wow oh yeah i got parsley you're I got gonna mince. get sick of beans i'm I, just gonna tell you that right now i have too many beans yeah <laughs> but of course it, it is really funny when we think about this week it doesn't matter what outdoor space you have balcony or yard right the rules always don't plant or put your plants outside until after the may long weekend and i think like this That's year was Alberta. the perfect illustration though yeah tuesday had people <laughs> losing their marbles there was so much snow like I've got to bring my stuff in, or I've got. To, I mean, I've since seen a lot of people have covered their stuff, so mm-hmm. they're veterans. Yes, uh, but some <laughs> they know people, the rules. yeah, like come on, this is Alberta. Like it could snow in <laughs> June. You know, it's not uh, often that happens, but it 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 is a reality. Yeah, I think I I've always feel like I've acclimatized so well to Alberta until yeah. spring hits. Yeah, because it I went crazy on Tuesday with the yeah. snow. I started singing Christmas songs in my. Head. I know. I sent some of those snaps to some cousins in England, and they're yeah. like, "Oh my god." <laughs> What's happening? And I'm like, well, this is Alberta. I mean, this is what you, you know, you have become an Albertan when you have five different jackets in your car at all times. Oh, always. Yeah. Just yeah. in case. My snow brush was conveniently yeah. still there. So all the people tweeting and going, oh, my tomatoes, this and my flowers. I have no sympathy for them. Like, no. come on. You know, you should know better. If not, now, you know. Now, yes. you know, and you won't do it again. You Absolutely. won't make that mistake. A again. lesson learned in the school of hard knocks. Right. Yeah. If anything, look at the forecast. <laughs> You know, on your phone. You can't trust that all the yeah, time. Yeah, I, I did. I, I even <laughs> mowed the lawn. I cleaned up the, the backyard. I seeded it, got some fertilizer out there yeah. because I knew moisture was coming. And now, you know what? My my garden looks, the grass looks green. See, you say you're not like a that's super- That's a veteran move. That's what that's called. Gardening guy, but man, you've got your stuff together. Yeah. Well, I mean, my main hope is that everybody's plants aren't dead. Yes. Um. You well, know, if they're I like wish you, that for you, yeah, you got to, you have to tweet that picture out of your house uh, <laughs> looking like a jungle. Like it's, I, yeah, that's cool. I did. I sent a photo to Min of all of my plants gathered uh, by the window. There's too many of them. It's overwhelming. But uh, the thing is, regardless of whatever kind of space you have, growing mm-hmm. is totally a great way to spend your time. Right? You get your hands dirty. You get outside. But gardening can also play a really huge role in community building and bringing people together. Chaka Zinyeba is a disaster and emergency preparedness expert here in Edmonton. And for him, community gardens are a crucial part of a city's culture and may actually help with our pandemic recovery. So I reached out to him to talk about how our green thumbs can go beyond growing beans in our apartments. Hello, Chaka speaking. Hi, Chaka. It's Claire calling from CBC. How's it going? I'm good, Claire. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much for joining me today to talk about community gardens. You know, it's an interesting time because we're heading into summer number two of the pandemic, mm-hmm. right? So how do you think that community gardens can play a part in getting us through this? Yeah, you know, um, community gardens are super important at all times. But like you say, we're heading into summer number two of the pandemic and we saw an increased use in these gardens last uh, last year uh, here at Edmonton. But some studies have actually shown in the past that community gardens can be really beneficial to help communities recover from disasters. And I'm thinking that we can use the same ideas to help us begin to recover from the pandemic. We've all been through like a collective experience, uh, and we've, but we've also experienced this in many different ways. So community gardens can be a place for us to come together, share our experiences, de-stress, talk, 
and gain community support and, you know, extend the spirit of togetherness uh, through the summer. I really love that idea. And and it's interesting, too, because these are physical spaces, right? There's so many mm-hmm. across the city. You know, when we're thinking about building or developing community gardens, what do we need to take into consideration when we look at the actual physical space? Yeah, so the key thing is really like to design a space that is welcoming, that is friendly, and that is accessible. Uh, but also the challenge is to follow the public health guidelines that we have in place. Right. Uh, but a few things that I would you know, think about or suggest benches where people can sit. And many of us are working from home. So why not have a little space that maybe is dedicated for someone to come with a laptop and maybe sit in the garden and work from there? A space for some shared tools, storage, um, and even uh, some kind of organizing of some COVID-safe and friendly uh, outdoor event to kick off your garden or even to harvest. Yeah, it's kind of lovely because, I mean, when you think about community gardens, you so often think about just the people that are growing there. But it's true if there's one in your neighborhood, it's a really lovely space to just go hang out in actually and just be yeah, around really all is. the plants yeah <laughs> it really is i used to uh, uh live in the oliver neighborhood and uh they have some benches there and i used to hang out there all the time i wasn't part of the garden i didn't garden there yeah. uh, but it was a great place to hang out yeah you can still enjoy it even if you're, you're not growing anything and and yeah. i mean it is you mentioned oliver i know as i'm biking around the city i've passed these spaces all the time mm-hmm. what are some examples of some of the edmonton community gardens right now that you think work really well or that really stand out yeah, so I think I mentioned the, the Oliver one yeah. uh, that I used to live close to. There's also Queen Mary Park. Uh, I used to live there as well. I've lived in many places around the city. <laughs> uh, Queen Mary is a great one. Food for Good is, a, is the name of one on the West End. Uh, the garden is like right on the Trinity United Church. But they actually have a great initiative where the garden spills out uh, into neighbors' backyards. So if you live in the area, you can uh, have your backyard be used as part of a community garden. And I just love that idea. Wow. I, that's really cool. Yeah, it is. And like, you know, you, you open up your, your backyard and your space for your neighbors. And that's one great way of like getting to know people, uh, building resilience and connecting with one another. It's fantastic. As someone who does not have a backyard, I love the idea of being able to use other people's. Um, <laughs> but exactly. there is that kind of question too, right? Like, how does one actually become a part of a community garden and join in this uh, community that lives across the city? Yeah. So, you know, like you mentioned, if if you are on the West End, you can look for that food for good one and like access someone else's backyard. But, you know, you can join an existing one uh, if you go to the City of Edmonton's website uh, and uh, you just type in uh, Community Gardens, a map will pop up uh, and you can look for a garden that's closest to your neighborhood. And you kind of click on each icon and it kind of tells you how to contact the organizers of that community garden. Alternatively, you can come together with some neighbors or some friends to start your own, uh, which is really great. And you can get support from Sustainable Food Edmonton to kickstart your own project. There's also funding that's available and lots of resources to help you kind of plan it out and project manage it. What if you, I mean, to address the elephant in the room or the garden, as it may be, what if someone wants to get involved in community gardening, but they have no experience with planting or gardening, mm-hmm. you know, their green thumb may be kind of brown? Yeah, uh, you know, what? not not a problem at all. Like we all, <laughs> we, all we all start from somewhere. Um, so 
Sustainable Food Edmonton that I talked about, they have a website where you can uh, really kind of go on. They can ask an expert. There are resources there for you to use. But also, in my experience, experience is the best teacher. Yeah. Trial and error. You know, you can also look up many resources online, YouTube, and just get your hands dirty. You know, brown fingers are great. They'll turn green at some point. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think about how, you know, everyone was trying things like baking sourdough at the beginning of the pandemic. Like, why yeah. not try picking this up as a new hobby? You know, I mean, there can be failures abound, but you'll learn something for sure, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you can start small if you want. Like, you can start maybe just on your windowsill and maybe grow something. I grew an avocado. That was my what? pandemic project. Yeah, an avocado tree. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. What? Ha, what? Yeah, yeah, I did. I, uh, you know, had an avocado from Safeway and then I put it in glass. I put the pit uh, <laughs> in, in glass and with three uh, toothpicks. And uh, it's now like almost a foot uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I, oh, I'm sitting here like feeling proud of myself for having parsley, but you went full fruit. Um, <laughs> that's well, amazing. I don't know yet. It's not, it's not yet giving me any fruit yet. So <laughs> Okay. Well, uh, you can make me some guacamole next time. Totally. <laughs> um, and I mean, this is all the lovely kind of fun, enjoyable side, but when we think about the last year and a half, it's been really tough. Mm-hmm. And, and there have been people affected in so many ways, including food insecurity, which yep. was already an issue too. With some Edmontonians that are struggling to access healthy food, are community gardens an effective way to address that issue? Yeah, that's a really great question. You know, uh, community gardens are, I would say, can be a part of the solution, but they aren't the solution, right. not the silver bullet that we're looking for. Uh, food insecurity, uh, as you like mentioned, has really uh, been on the rise. The Edmonton Food Bank has reported increased uh, users throughout the pandemic. Uh, the real issue here is to remove those economic, uh, the financial barriers uh, that people face when accessing healthy uh, and accessible foods. And also to make sure that we have uh, fresh foods in areas that may not have fresh food, so fresh food stores and make them um, accessible and uh, financially accessible, especially. What community gardens can do, though, is be a starting point uh, for this, a starting point for people to come together and learn about uh, healthy eating and learn about food accessibility. So they are a part of the solution, uh, but the problem needs to be solved at many, many different levels uh, across our economy and society. Chaka, this is clearly something that you are so passionate about. And I mean, heck, you got an avocado tree going. You're clearly (laughs) a grower. What is your favorite thing about community gardens and being a part of that community, right? Yeah, my favorite thing is getting to meet people. Uh, I'm a big people person, as you probably realized. (laughs) Uh, So for me, it's getting to meet people. But it's also a certain kind of pleasure that comes from watching something grow, you know, using your own hands and looking at it over a number of weeks or months and then sharing that food with people. That's my favorite part. Yeah. So I'll, (laughs) I'll hang on and I'll get some guacamole eventually, right? Right. Totally. I'll share share it with you. Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) So time to tackle hockey. Um, Min, we're in a season that I actually have yet to experience in Edmonton. Really? Yeah, playoff season. I've never been here for a time. You know, the Oilers have started their 2021 run at the Cup with the series against the Jets. Yeah. We're recording this Thursday morning. Um, right. So last night, uh, how do you feel after, you know, Yeah. it was a game. You know, I've been to so many, I mean, I've experienced so many different kind of playoff feels uh, around the team. And last night, the start was not 
it was not one of their best. No. You know, it was a, it was like a feeling out process. It was a slow start. Uh, yeah. They kind of found their legs and, um, you know, it was a tight game. Uh, I know there's been a lot of panic since from fans, but I mean, it was, <laughs> you know, really it was a, it was a one, one tie. Yeah. And then the, the Jets got that deflection, which could have gone either way. And they were winning two one, two empty netters four one game. Yeah. First game's done. Let's it's, go. Let's move on. Well, Second exactly, game's coming. You got to let them have one. And it was kind of yeah. a special night for you too, though, right? Because this was the first hockey game you actually got to like experience this year. Yeah. I mean, you know, during the regular season, it's, you know, it's, I, I didn't really go to any games. I went to a few practices and things like that. But to comparing it to like previous playoff experiences, like mm-hmm. it was on the other end of the spectrum, right? Yeah. Like it was so sanitized. I mean, you know, Jesse Pugliarvi scored that goal and, and oh, all you so heard was this after. huge cheer from just the Oilers bench oh no like that's how quiet it is in there it's it's unnerving to watch because it's true there is someone in there actually like operating and cueing different sounds and crowd noise and yeah. stuff but it's it's not the same it's not the same these guys they know there's no fans in the stands obviously they see it yeah and then they did pump some old noise crowd noise right. which was kind of cool yeah but i mean you know then then you hear a let's go oilers chant <laughs> but there's nobody it's there. not the same there's nobody there yeah well and it's really distinct when you hear them bump up against the boards too because yeah. that sound is so much louder than it normally is yeah you know you really hear the uh audio from the, the coaches yeah. yelling at the refs or the players yelling at each other like that is pretty cool but that'll only yeah take you so far right it's a it's a it's, crazy it's experience. very different from the american experience right now which, yes which is you know anywhere from five Five thousand to I think more than twelve thousand fans yeah. in Nashville, which is that's sounds like normal to me almost. Exactly. Well, closer to normal than we are, and that is the thing, right? Like it's not a normal year. It's very different circumstances. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned, like I'm sad. Like I moved here three and a half years ago. Yeah. So like I you have, just missed that 2017. <laughs> I have the worst timing, nuts. and I love I love like the pregame hoopla. I love going into crowds and you yeah. know even just sitting in a bar watching the game with a bunch of people. I've lived in like four out of six Canadian like NHL cities, right? And I just love the environment. Yeah, like I'm really bad at choosing sides. Yeah, I'm very diplomatic, but I love. Being there and the weirdest thing, right? Like you, you must miss that kind of energy, that kind of feeling. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's it's just not the same in there without the eighteen thousand screaming fans. Like, I mean, that's yeah. an you know. A, I don't know what that would even look like anymore. <laughs> that's an advantage, really, yeah. for the home team. But there is no advantage right now, right? No. Because they're both dealing with the same kind of atmosphere and emotion. 100%. So the emotion has to come from within. And so that's kind of the challenge for both of those teams to just kind of produce that. That was a really beautiful sentiment, man. Well, you know, I mean, you know, sports isn't all just cliches, right? (laughs) But yeah, like the vibe around the arena even, you know, normally like all the bars would be packed. People would be like, you know, in there having a good time. And uh, but that's just that that vibe just isn't around there right now. And I mean, I look back to 2017. I remember even like after they beat the San Jose Sharks in the first round, we were inside and the Pedway, which goes across north, south, across 104th Ave. Like people were like they had DJs there and it was bouncing so much that we thought it was going to collapse. Like we legit thought it was going to collapse. And the owners (laughs) were like, no, no, no. It's been engineered to withstand like hundreds of people. They knew this was going to happen. They knew people wanted to party in the Pedway. Exactly. We've got a sticker from the city, you know, passing the inspection and inspection and all that stuff. But, uh, but the vibe was just, you know, amazing. And, and, and and I think that builds community spirit and brings people together. We, we are on the other end of that spectrum right now because everybody's kind of isolated and, 
not allowed to do that. Definitely. No, so we're pulled away from the yeah, chaos. Yeah, it's a little sad. And so, yeah, back then, here's a, here's a sample of some of the sights and sounds from the spring of 2017, including a live hit that I did in that Ford Hall just before getting literally swallowed up by the crowd. Well, I'm in Ford Hall right now. The entire arena has just emptied out into Ford Hall. There's over 18,000 fans that cheering MVP. Connor McDavid, that's their guy. There you go. I think excited right now. The Edmonton Oilers will be facing the Anaheim Ducks in round two. Oh my gosh. Does that sound as crazy as it was? Like, <laughs> Well, I just love they're yelling MVP and oh. you can, they, they can barely get the words out because they've been screaming so much. It's like, <laughs> Like, I'm not a little guy, right? Like, I, I'm 6'2", about 220 pounds. I was, li- I was getting jostled. I felt like a pinball. I was like bouncing <laughs> from guy to guy. And at, at one point after that stopped, I was like, okay, do I have my phone still? Do I have yeah. my wallet? Like, do I have I, my left arm? Well, all of that <laughs> stuff, right? And so, yeah, that spring was just... Uh, like my, you know, I was, I was never home. I was, we were always either covering the games or we were on the road and, uh, you know, we did a lot of Facebook lives, yeah. um, in and around that brand new arena. We did some Facebook lives on the road down in Southern California. I mean, the craziest couple of fans though, we ran into, it was across the street at the Mercer Tavern, which is just, uh, right across from the arena. And uh, I'm not sure how big a hockey fans these two fellas from Ireland were, but they, we're totally into the party atmosphere, which was everywhere downtown that spring. So here's an excerpt from that interview with Trevor McCormick and Jimmy Higgins. Let's get your names first. Uh, and uh, where are you from in Ireland? Uh, my name's Trevor and I'm from Westmead. Tre- what's your last name, Trevor? Uh, McCormick. McCormick, and who's sir? I'm uh, Jimmy Higgins from Alford. Awesome. I love the I love the names, man. They just like roll off your tongue, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> we do trade. We do so trade. We're, we're big hockey fans in Ireland. Tell us the story. How did you you came to Edmonton? When did you realize uh, this hockey is kind I, of fun? I'm, I'm only off the board here now, and I uh, just when I said I go out for a few beers, and I just seen a load of people walking around with either stops, and I thought it was a great crack. So I said I go and join myself. So here we are now, just having a bit of crack. We know how passionate fans are with uh, their teams uh, over in Europe. Do you see that same passion here for this sport? No, I think they're very quiet here. Really? There should be more. If everyone's a game in uh, England, they're more uh, vocal. Over here, they're very quiet. They wait, wait till the team scores, then they get excited. But then the rest of the game, they're very shy. So over in Europe, over in England, the, it's the like it's non-stop. like non-stop. It's non-stop. The fans are always cheering. Crazy. Over here, I've been in a few games. They're too shy, too quiet. I, that's, that's bad for the game. Is that driving you a little crazy when you're it sitting was. in the stands? I was shouting, let's go Oilers, but I was drunk. I rest of the sit down, you'd be quiet. So playoffs is a different, another level though. Were, were you watching the game on Wednesday? Were you over there? Oh, it's or? like a normal season. But look, it should be the same, it doesn't matter playoff style. Support your team, give it the whole way thing. I will never be quiet. Or what are you doing for the game tonight? Get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> And I don't doubt that at all. He was 100% oh. accurate for sure. He was halfway there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know what? To this day, every time I listen to that interview, I just, like, laugh uncontrollably. I love it. I also they love... They were beauties. And just the sound of a bar behind Oh, yeah. Him. Yeah. I was wow. watching that video last week, and I was like, whoa, I forgot what that vibe feels like, like you know. Oh, it belongs in a museum. Pints at the table, you know, just oh, now shooting the breeze. making me sad, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it, it was sad to watch, but uh, those two guys were, they were amazing. And they were just having, they were 
on top of the world. Yeah. Like uh, Trevor McCormick, he had just he goes, <laughs> I just came off the boat. Like he was literally had just arrived in town and he was just swept up by ready to roll by the vibe that was going on. So yeah, he he was having fun, and you know that that happened all over the place. So <laughs> yeah, compare that time to now. Uh, I can't wait till we get back to the way it used to be. No kidding, but that's the thing that I love. I think the most about the playoffs, right? Like I. I'll, I'll put it this way. I don't have the emotional fortitude to watch hockey all the time. <laughs> right. Because if I commit myself to a team, that means being happy when they yeah. win and sad when they lose. And I just don't have the emotional strength hey, to like, carry that load. Like a team, fans, <laughs> there's all there's a role to play. I'm a no-shame bandwagoner. Yeah. because There's no shame in that. The energy. There's the vibe, right? Like You jump in and you're in the crowd and... I just, I love it. The whole city feels different. It's electric, yeah. Yes, definitely. 100%. It's, it's, it's hard not to get caught up in the moment. You know, the fans don't want to let this moment slide. So yesterday there was, you know, a fan convoy or whatever it is. And I think there was like 60, 70, 80 cars. And they were honking their horns up and down 104th Ave. They started South Common, got to United, and they came to the rink. Sounds like the Hyundai. Yeah, I kind, I kind of feel bad for the people who live around <laughs> yeah. Rogers because that was probably a bit disruptive during the supper time. But hey, and I think they just wanted to show the team because the like when you go uh, across 104th Ave by the arena, there's a big glass, uh, you know, wall there, and yeah. just in behind there is a dressing room. So these guys, if they're in the room, they would have heard those honking. And every Sounds. like sign of support makes a difference, right? Yeah, and just to know that the fans are passionate, they know they're passionate, but they haven't had that contact with them, right? So I think yeah. I think that was important for them to hear that last night. Absolutely. I mean, we're in it though, right? That's the thing is we yeah. maybe not a great showing last night. No. Uh Friday night though, we got another go? I think so. I think uh, there'll be a little bit of tape watching going on today mm-hmm. and uh yeah. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, I think, will uh, come out flying on Friday. Yeah, they just had to warm up. Just got to stretch it yeah. out. What's yes. your uh, What's your bet for the playoffs? What you, especially this series. What What are you feeling? Well, yesterday uh, during man. my live hit, I said Oilers in three. Of course, <laughs> I was joking. Um, <laughs> well, not no. now. Yeah, not now. So I initially I had said in six. So Oilers I'm going to stick with in six. Okay, so yeah. Min saying Oilers in six. I uh, am a neutral party. I'm Switzerland. Um, <laughs> but we want to know as well uh, from you. Mm-hmm. Email us. Tell us what your bet is for the playoffs. Oilers in six as well. You know, Jets in seven. If you're yeah, like, possible. I don't know why you'd be listening to this, but <laughs> uh, you know, or maybe something more outlandish. Maybe you want to make a big call for the cup. But you can actually win a loop tote, a keep cup, and these are new. We actually have a loop pin. Um, so send us your bets. Let us know the loop at cbc.ca, and uh, and I absolutely refuse to participate. <laughs> I think you should uh, throw (laughs) at least uh, a recommendation of what you think will happen. I think the Oilers are great. Does that count? that's not bad. (laughs) The Loop is a weekly podcast from CBC Edmonton. And our team is Min Darwell, Leslie Goldstone, Corey Haberstock, Martin Seenbab, Christina Silva, and James Evans. Our theme music is Change Your Mind by Edmonton musician John Common. And I'm Claire Bonneman. Thank you so much for listening. Because there's always so much more to know. You can get into The Loop with us every Friday leave us a rating or a review. We also have an email, the loop at cbc.ca. Send us your Oilers bets if you want a chance to win a tote or a cup or a pin uh, or use the hashtag the loop CBC on social media. You can also find us, Min, you're at? Yeah, I'm at Min Dariwal on Twitter. So first name, last name. Yep, and I'm at Nami Knob, which is my last name backwards, mm-hmm. please. Um, you can subscribe and download the show on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts and go Oilers. Absolutely. Woo!
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.